All right, welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host, Sean Kelly. I'm here with my guest today, Chris Crone. What's up? How we doing? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm doing very, very well. Hell yeah. What brings you to Vegas? Uh, you and uh, a few other podcasts. And uh, we just took the private jet in and out today and uh, excited to be here. Nice. So you own two jets. Yes. What was the thought process uh, behind that? Time. Just, I'm saying no to so many things because flying public is just, it is such a pain. It is. You know, it was a couple of years ago. I was going to go see my buddy do a bare knuckles fight. He mm -hmm. thought he was slated to win first place. I wanted to support him. And it was in Mississippi and I live in Salt Lake. So, you know, I had to lay over in Atlanta, took all day to get there for the show. And the next morning took all day to get back. And I was like, I wish I hadn't come right. because this just took so much time. And uh, after that, I decided to get my first jet and uh, it felt like a transporter. It was mm. like, how come someone didn't tell me a decade ago, this was supposed to be on my vision board. This is, <laughs> this is sweet. So um, I actually love travel. I love world travel and my family and I, we travel everywhere. And now it's like, it's like a really great tool for just experiencing life in the fast lane. Absolutely. How much capital would you see, would you say someone would need to get a jet? I mean, it depends. Um, you can make it pretty economic, right? Like uh, you could go prop plane, but if you want to go fast, like my new Falcon 50 goes like 700 miles an hour. Okay. And, um, you know, so, you know, a jet like that can range in the three to $10 million range. Okay. Um, and if you're charting it out is another really big choice. Cause if yeah. you, if you charter it out, you can offset if you fly two times a month, yeah. it is possible to offset everything and basically fly private for free. Wow. So are you allowed to finance these or do you have to pay up front? For the no, no, they're very, very financeable. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a good investment if you're traveling a lot. Yeah. If you're traveling a lot and also, um, it's a bit of a tax play, right. you know, I recently got in the game of real estate, you know, I've, I've transacted a couple billion dollars of real estate and I buy a home every day. And um, I cost segregate study that so that when it comes to accelerated depreciation, I can write off a lot. Right. And a jet, you know, at least last year, uh, you could write 100% with bonus depreciation off the entire jet in year one. Mm -hmm. You know, which if you're in a high tax bracket, that becomes meaningful. Absolutely. So, yeah, you, let's get into real estate. So you've done over $2 billion in real estate. You're buying a house a day. Yeah. What makes you feel so strongly about the real estate market right now? Well, first of all, I started buying back in um, the early 2000s, before 2008. And okay. that was the greatest financial crisis we've seen since the Great Depression. And um, that was the era that made me the most money. I've been praying for a recession. Mm -hmm. We are late. I mean, the government's been printing trillions of dollars. And it means that, uh, you know, we've probably delayed what could have happened a few years prior because we've got all this hyperinflation now. 130,000 lost tech jobs this year. I mean, it's a mess. Banks failing left and right right now. Right. And big problems produce really great solutions. And so, you know, in general, is real estate great right now? Oh, no, it's awful. But I have a strategy that is very, very recession proof. Okay. And so we got to test it during 2008. And what it means is when the market goes up, we do really well. When the market goes down, we do better. Really? Yeah. So how were you able to set it up in that manner? When uh, all the way back when I was in college, I uh, thought I wanted to be a doctor. And um Turns out I suck at chemistry, <laughs> took it a second time, got a worse grade. And I was like, okay, I'm reading the tea leaves. Like <laughs> this, this is hard for me. My brain does not work this way. I thought I wanted to get an MBA. Mm -hmm. So I also took a different weeder class. It was stats and um, I never did my homework once, hardly showed up at class. And I was number one in my whole class. Whoa. I, they, they based the curve on me. I love, I love probabilities. I love statistics. So when I met my mentors in real estate while I was a college kid, um, 
I asked them, I'm like, hey, what strategy should I do? Because there's like expensive real estate, there's multifamily, there's flips, wholesaling, there's all these different strategies, which is best. And they said, well, they're all kind of good. And I'm like, I hate your answer, mathematically speaking. Like, which one is best? Like, I am in LA, I need to walk to New York. There is a fastest path, right? There's a best path. There's not, you know, there's circuitous routes. I want to know the best. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, that's not fair. I said, why isn't it fair? He said, because each strategy comes with different biases. So you have to bring a bias to the table to determine what you're going to base your, your theory on. And because I like math so much, I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to write an algorithm based on six criteria to basically set up the system. So I, I decided what I valued. And I said, well, I, I want a real estate strategy that requires my least time, mm-hmm. my least effort, mm. produces the least risk, makes the most money, works in up and down markets, and creates value to society. And after I did that, a only one of the strategies emerged that met all that criteria. Okay. And it was buying single family homes about 20 to 30% below the median mm. on a short term buy and hold three to seven years, and then rotating them and, and trading one for two or one for three, and basically building this, this portfolio. And wow. so that's what I kind of built my original thesis on. By the time I graduated college, I had 25 homes, they were producing 12 grand a month quit my job, was done with college and, and then just started multiplying that portfolio and 25 became 50 and then a hundred and then thousands. And crazy, man. Yeah. I like You're... systems. I like scaling things, right. you know, and I haven't really done real estate for a decade. I have a team that does that. Wow. So I, I, I build a, I build a wheel and I built it perfect and haven't learned anything for a decade. It worked brilliantly through 2008. And if this recession ends up going hardcore bad, uh, it won't be bad for me. I, I think actually, the people that are not adapting to this new economy, to AI, to the shifting world, they're going to be screwed. Right. But the people that are that are here to adapt and grow and learn, th- this is probably one of the best economies they'll see in their lifetime. Yeah. AI is incredible. I mean, it literally makes my YouTube thumbnails, my YouTube titles, my Don't descriptions. Don't you love it? Where are you using AI in your business? In everything. Copywriting, deep faking me, everything. Oh, deep faking? Oh, yeah. Starting with audio, video's not there yet. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I paid one AI company. I was a candidate, high profile, wrote a big check, and they've been taking hours of my audio work. So they're not just trying to synthesize a good version of my voice, but really a perfect. I'm a high energy person, a lot of voice inflection. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're basically producing all that. And um, and I can use that in a lot of very, very meaningful, but also you know ethical ways. It's like, I don't want to be in studio for three days on my next audio book. I just wrote another book, a sixth book, and I... I don't want to be in studio to do that. And so there's a ton of ways that I can repurpose that. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into sourcing. So you're you're buying a house a day. Yeah. How are, I mean, you're in a good spot where deals are probably coming to you. But when you were first starting, how were you finding deals? You know, I, I needed um I needed to find a way to convince people to work for me for free because I didn't have money. Mm-hmm. So I actually went to the open market instead of off-market deals. I went to realtors. And in my first book that I wrote, The Straight Path to Real Estate Wealth, I basically said, hey, Anyone can become a millionaire starting in debt with nothing and no credit with this strategy. And um, so I, what I would do is I would, I would find 10 realtors that represented um, really good deals. They would drop listings saying great investment opportunity, handyman special, discounted price. So I call all 10 of those up and I would just read this little script and I'd just say, hi, my name is Chris Cron. I'm an investor. I'm poised, ready to buy my next investment property. I need a, a 20% discount. Mm. Eight out of 10 would laugh at me. Two out of 10 would go to work. And within 24, 48 hours, I'd find a deal that I could verify with comparables was about 20% or more below market. Wow. And so I just, I had them work for me. Interesting. Yeah. So let's say someone wants to get into real estate and they don't have money. Would you say that method would still work today? 100%. 
Yeah. In fact, there's a there's a link there. I'm giving this book away for free that teaches people yeah. this entire model. But what, what, what yeah, this link. Yeah, that one right there. It's a freewealthgift.com forward slash Sean. Love it. Yeah. So yeah, you, you can get a, a free copy of my book there and I'll walk you through. I, I have five major methods for building wealth. Real estate is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like real estate is just a, it's a foundational basics move, you know, because most of the world is just screwed with their IRA 401k thinking. They, they think that they can use these vehicles and because they're single digit um, ROIs, they, you know, they average 6% collectively a year. So you, you, you drop 50 grand in there you wait 20 years and it tripled. Yay. Right. You're so ready for retirement. You have $160,000. This is so stupid. So lame. The average 65 year old at retirement has 209,000 in a 401k for retirement. It's not enough. No, it's, it's pathetic. No. Cause you give it to a financial planner and they're like, uh, if we want to live off the interest and modern medicine is going to keep you alive for decades, yeah, we can do the 4% rule. And 4% of that is like 500 a month. That plus social security equals crotchety, pessimistic, hate in your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a way to retire, man. No, but if you can graduate to double digit, like like don't even move on to the triple digit or the quadruple digit or the infinite ROIs, the big stuff that I do or moonshots or building businesses or whatever. Just in real estate, like my baseline rule is always average a minimum of a 25% ROI. Mm. And if you do, you'll outperform the market 27 to one. My average ROI is 34%. So I outperform the market like 80 to one. Wow. Which means in 20 years, someone can have millions of dollars in real estate. You know, 90% of all millionaires do it in real estate. I'm just telling people that, that they maybe should do it intentionally. Wait, 98% of millionaires, 90. 90% are from real estate? Yeah. Wow. That means that that means that when someone like wakes up one day as a 65-year-old retiree and says, hey, I, I put a couple hundred thousand dollars away in 401ks and IRAs, but you know, I, I bought my first house and then for some reason I didn't sell it. Mm. I rented it and then I bought a second and over my lifetime I lived in three homes and collectively they're all paid-ish offish. And um I'm that's worth 1.2 million. Mm. Again, not a lot of money, but accidental millionaires over time are creating real estate all the time. Right. When I realize that I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do it on purpose? Like yeah. if 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 at retirement the equity in your home is bigger than a lifetime of retirement savings. Then why wouldn't you time machine back 20 years and go buy five more homes? Right. And for me, I, I got a little extreme and I said, well, why not 5,000? Interesting. Do you want to become a billionaire? No, I want to become a trillionaire. Whoa. (laughs) I love that answer. Well, richest person on the planet right now is around $200 billion. Okay. And, um, there's five people competing in that space. They're the top 100 billionaires currently in the world range from 9 billion up to 200 ish. Okay. Um, I am 43 years old and I have this crazy health routine, anti-aging, everything with modern medicine. If you study the futurists, I'm going to be 140 years old. 140? 140. Wow. So I'm planning on hundred years. I have time to become a trillionaire. Um, I am, I know how many months I believe I'm away from being a billionaire because that's been a 13 year goal. And, um, I'm deep into private equity and growing companies and just my social media company alone last year popped a nine figure valuation. And so, nice. Um, the goal of billionaire that I, I set that one up in Oh nine and I'm close, nice. um, but no, I, I want to be, I want to be a trillionaire. Wow. Yeah. Let's get into the health stuff. Cause a hundred years you plan on having is insane. So what are you doing that makes you so confident? Well, number one is the science. Um, you, you know, if you, if you start looking at how they've unlocked the telomeres and in animal trials have doubled and tripled, uh, the life of animals. They're now doing human clinical trials Mm. Um, over the next decade. I mean, you look at what we've done with stem cells and you look at NAD and and you look at just the advances that are regularly occurring. 
we know how to extend life, but we don't know how to extend the quality of life. Mm. The quality of life is on your lifestyle choices. So for me, I mean, I spend two and a half hours every day in a gym. Wow. I'm hanging out with friends, my wife, we're playing, we're having fun, I'm doing cardio. Uh, in four weeks, I have a bodybuild competition. I did one last year. I said, I'll do one every year for the next five years. Mm. And it's just a fun, it's just a fun way to gamify. Uh, I like to gamify things. Like, I'm like, if you can be, like, how do you be great at everything? This, uh, this, this philosophy is uh, you can have it all. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I want to be wealthy. I also want to have the best marriage on the planet. I want to be the best dad I possibly can. I want to be the most connected to God and I want to be the healthiest. Mm. And that's not asking too much, right? Like, like God gave us agency, just get your house in order. And it's, right. it's really about discipline and some time. And, and I'm, I, I just enjoy it. So I'm making lifestyle choices. You know, longevity of life right now is not linked to supplements. It's linked to only two things, your VO2 levels and your strength. Mm. So while everyone has a different philosophy on exercise, mine is really simple. Grow your heart strategically in the way that you do cardiovascular activities. Those are your VO2 levels. And then lift. Go mm. to the gym and put muscle on your body because muscle size and strength are is the second and also third size and strength determinants of longevity. Interesting. So it's not it's not even diet. It's literally just what you do in a gym. So that's insane. So you don't take any supplements? Oh, I do. I take plenty of supplements. Okay. I've got my hormones balanced and I'm on all sorts of proactive stuff. Like I said, I've no, I've no ailments or problems in my body, but I think the one thing that I do is I, I spend 40 minutes in my morning routine in meditation, wow. envisioning my ideal life as if it's already happened. Mm. Uh, you, you look at Joe Dispenza, he's done some incredible work on the power of the mind. And for the last 20 years, I've been able to manifest the majority of my results by first spiritually creating them mentally rehearsing them, practicing, building evidence in the mind. Mm. And then in the outside world, finding evidence that matches that signature and that energy. So I've been, I've been trapped in a 30 year old's body for a decade. Wow. I just, I'm just, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm right now fitter, faster and stronger than I've ever been in my life. That's crazy. And it's going to stay that way for a really long time. That's, in, that's insane. And eventually my body will break down <laughs> like everyone. Do you believe in the afterlife? I do. What do you think it looks like? I have no idea, mm. um, but I, I have had thousands. It's not an exaggeratory word. I value um, spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And I orient my life so that every day I get inspiration on a regular basis. I, think, I believe it's a skill that anyone has access to. I value it. I pursue it. And I've mastered my abilities to ground, go inside, ask a question, receive an answer, lean into that intuition and live it. And for me, that's a connection with God. And I, I believe we live before. I believe we'll live again. I believe we're here to grow. Wow. So I just like growing. What are your thoughts on psychedelics? Um, I think that there's incredible therapeutic uses of psychedelics. Right. Uh, personally, I'm not a recreationalist when it comes to these things. Um, uh, I don't. I don't personally do drugs. I don't drink. Um, I don't do anything that that alters the state of my body. But mm. I believe in it very much. For uh, someone, you know, I, I, you take a look at pharma. Mm -hmm. And you take a look at the antidepressants and we have band-aids that we call medication when there are superior options out there and psychedelics used therapeutically, you can blitzkrieg through trauma. Um, one of the things that I, I love is I, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, but I would fancy myself a psychologist. I love the human mind, the brain, how it works, how we think our belief structures, our paradigm. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really into that stuff because I feel the, and I've experienced the correlation between outward results and our inward thinking. Right. And, um, so psychedelics I think are uh, a powerful, powerful tool when someone 
gets stuck and stopped. Right. And they need to get moving again. Yeah, there's been studies on how shrooms can cure depression and stuff. 100%. And uh, MDMA is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. That's uh, probably within a couple of years of legalization. It was, was legalized 50 years ago, and there's a group of people that have made it their purpose to bring that back to the market because you have a mental health crisis right now that mm-hmm. is worse than ever before. It's the after effects of the pandemic. And we have a depressed world today. We just have sad people. We have angry people. We are more divided than we've ever been. Right. And I'm like, a lot of people usually look at me, Sean, and they're like, oh, Chris, you have all these great results and you're rich and all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but who cares if you're not happy? Mm. Who cares if you're not fulfilled? That comes first. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a place for that. That's why I asked the billionaire question, because I feel like a lot of people sacrifice their happiness to get there. But it seems like you're on a good balance with that. So um, there has to be a reason why we do things. Years ago, I, I think I was stuck in a money game mm-hmm. and I was stuck in this loop, Groundhog's Day. And someone sat down with me and asked me a very disturbing question. Mm. It was in my home, in my home office. And with tears in their eyes, they looked at me and they said, Chris, when is it enough? And the question was like a nightmare to my soul. It started mm. plaguing me because I didn't have an answer. And I started realizing that I was pursuing success for significance. Mm-hmm. I wanted accolades. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to believe that I was enough. I wanted to be recognized. I think that most of us start off with this like, this basic human need for significance and love Mm -hmm. and certainty. And I wanted to graduate from that. And, um, you know, you skip ahead and I felt very, very impressed with our, me and my wife, we have a foundation called the Chrome Breakthrough Foundation. And Mm -hmm. last year, my, the brand new director that I appointed to that said, Chris, I want to go to Ukraine and I want to bring a relief there. And he said, it it will be dangerous. We can mitigate that. We'll be there with ex special forces. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was the first of, Two trips last year. Next month, we have another one. Uh, we've been pulling civilians out of war zones. We've uh, fed over 80,000 people. We've been bringing clean water in, wow. heat during the winter. And when I got back from my first trip, my heart was so changed. Mm. And all of a sudden, I was like, finally, a reason and a why. So much bigger than me. Right. So much more, so much bigger than just stuff. Um, and I feel addicted right now to this, um, to the work of helping people. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's, it's rapidly replaced why I used to do things. Wow. And I'm kind of hooked on it right now. This contribution game is really, it's, it's way cooler than, than things and stuff and materialism and success and winning and influence. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, but I know exactly what you mean when you help others. I mean, it is just such a powerful feeling. So we had, we had, uh, a, a few more people to rescue. Um, we were in the Donbash region, region and we had gotten out um, eight of these elderlies that were stuck. Literally, the bombs were whizzing by. Um, explosions were happening all around us. And we were in a far more dangerous territory than we were supposed to be. But there was one more family to get out. Mm. And um, the, the export transport vehicleists needed a hand. And it was really dangerous, and we were just we were going to get out of there. And he said, "One more trip, who's in?" And I jumped in the front seat. I wasn't thinking; I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, the road had already been blown up, and we were, you know, going. We were basically in this neighborhood, and um, it was it was wild. It was crazy, difficult to describe. I'm not a war vet. I've never been in the military, um, right. but I, I think I probably have a small taste of what PTSD might feel like from that. And when I was taking these last two couples and throwing them in the van with the little belongings they had. It was in that moment. I was just like, what is really, I know that my soul is priceless and the world would say, Chris, you're an idiot. 
Look at how wealthy and influential you are. Why would you put yourself in danger? And it was in that moment I got the answer. I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm this meat sack with a soul. I'm not more valuable. Mm. No accomplishment makes me more important than another person on this planet. And by the time we got them rescued and brought them to the hotel, I just broke down and bawled because I realized my place on earth, um, which is, which, which is to serve and create fulfillment and just, just make inspired choices. That's incredible. You're really good with balancing your ego. Despite all your success. I feel like a lot of successful people struggle with that. I think I still have a lot of ego. I think I think I'm regularly pulling out my sword and trying to find it and slay it. The, yeah. the wicked little demon just follows me around from time to time and whispers, right. like these messages of self-importance. And it's like, geez, it's not really true. Mm. Like my 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 worth isn't any greater than yours. I think your following is a lot bigger than mine. That doesn't change status of anything. I'm older than you. That doesn't mean anything. Like you're, you are just as valid and important and precious and priceless a human being as me. Mm. So would you say your belief, that belief comes from your religious beliefs or you just instilled it yourself? Um, I, I, I come from a Christian background, Mm -hmm. um, grew up as a believer. And then at some point I had to lay aside my parents' faith and had to find my own. Mm. And what I found for me was way more powerful. Um, I, I believe 100% in not a God, but the God. And I believe that there is no accident to anything that we're experiencing. And I feel um, divine hand in in um, most areas of my life. I seek it. I, I look for it. I need it. I feel like life is just worthless and pointless without inspiration. So my my favorite question to ask during the day is, what is the highest and best use of my life right now? And I wait to feel, and I actually, in my events, I, I teach people this. I'll literally have them close their eyes and ground and say, give me a tough question mm-hmm. that you've been plagued with for months or years that you don't feel like you have an answer on. Mm. And I will ground them. I'll ask the question to listen. And within usually 15 seconds, the answer appears. People start bawling. And I'm like, that's, that's you connecting. You just got you, you just receive divine inspiration outside and beyond what you know. Because if you only act on what you know, the rational mind, you can only get more of what you've gotten. Mm. And so helping people connect to that, that's my way. Um, that's my, that's a, that's a big part of my purpose in life is just to know that if I'm making choices that I'm taking, you know, God into consideration. Wow. Uh, because I, I think I'm really small on my own. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, man. How do you balance all of this? I mean, religion, family, business, charitable. It's actually really easy. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but I, I like to build machines that build machines that build machines. Mm-hmm. So I'm limited. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 168 hours a week like you, um, which means that I have to prioritize my time in a way that there's an excess and a leftover. Mm-hmm. Four years ago when I had a best friend die from a, a horrible paragliding accident, left a wife and four kids behind, four boys. Mm. It it rocked my world. And I just, at that point, my life was not in balance and I could feel it. Cause I'm like, he was young. He was a year younger than me and just died. Mm. What if I died? I mean, I'm a little bit of a risk taker. Like I travel around the world and I don't mind jumping out of planes and doing some crazy stuff. Right. Apparently stupid enough to do you know, Ukraine in the war zone. Yeah. Like what would happen if I died? And, and I had to get honest with myself, Sean, and realize I would be filled with regret. Mm. Why? Because I was allowing society to determine how I cut up my time. And so I remember 
in my grieving process, I pulled out a sheet of paper. I said, I'm going to design the most perfect balanced life. And then once I know what it is, I'm going to live it Mm. and I'm going to stick to it. And years later, what I've come up with then is actually what I'm still living today. Wow. Um, Mondays are a creation day. So I make videos. Tuesday and Thursday, I work from home and I develop private equity deals. Okay. Wednesday's my wife's day. She's my best friend. We hang out all day together and we play and do something fun or crazy or take the jet somewhere or whatever. Mm. Friday's my kids' day. My kids are all privately educated in her home. We bring teachers in. Okay. But that's where I really hunker down on time. My son Daniel is here with me. Nice. Um, just hanging out with dad for the day. He's <laughs> Um, Saturday's my day. Sunday is God's day. Mm. That means that 25 hours a week is my perfect of work. If I work less than 20, I am missing something because I am built to create mm-hmm. and, and to build value. If I work more than 30 hours, I'm out of balance and something mm. is being robbed and I'm not okay with that. Um, my evenings, um, other than maybe a handful of events and webinars a year, my evenings are untouched, just me and family. So that, that, you know, if you look at that and then I wake up at 4am and I have a routine that goes till 9am and that five hours is sacred to me. Mm. This is where I cultivate energy and build. And that's my, that's my perfect. And I've been living that for four years and wow. like, I love my life. It feels perfectly in balance. And every time I launch new companies and do new things, there's this temptation to think you can't get it all done. And then I say, no, make choices where it's forced to. Mm-hmm. And once the time blocking is there, and if you honor the standard and say no exceptions, treat it like this is my sacred rule. Um, everything, there's always enough time for everything then. Wow. Yeah. You don't look at your phone till 9 a.m. after the five hour. Oh yeah, no, logistic, my logistics mind is not allowed to turn on until after 9 a.m. Interesting. So yeah. those five hours, you're meditating, you're working out. All, yep, all those pieces. Waking up my mind, waking up my body, waking up my soul, waking up my relationships. Mm. Yeah. And you said Saturday was a me day. What is that exactly? You know, um, it's just permission. I, I think we, one of the reasons why we have a mental health crisis is because we have a society built on shame mm. and guilt, but they're not the same thing. Shame is when you say, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I can't do it, I'm too old, I'm too young. We, we identify with those as identity, which is why it's a present I am statement. Mm-hmm. And that's called a limiting belief. And they're very damaging uh, because they alter the activation reticular system in our brain that determines our perception. We're taking in 20 billion bits of information every second. We can only process two to 400 pieces. Mm. So what we see is our bias based on our belief system. So if our world is filled with limiting beliefs built on shame, then we will see like two drops in the ocean of everything available and certainly not what we want, but for the most part, what we don't want. Right. Um, so I love showing people how to break that pattern and get out of that mode, how to alleviate themselves from their limiting beliefs and really solve their own private mental health crisis. Amazing. That entire morning is built on me loving me and self-care. Saturday is a day of self-care. So every morning I get self-care. I give myself inspiring messages. I believe in myself. I visualize what I'm creating in the future, pretend that it's already arrived. I collect evidence for it. Then mm-hmm. I make it happen in the real world. Saturday is permission to be like, oh, like I... I'm, I'm, I'm going to go shooting with the guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go hit the ranch. I'm going to go fly somewhere and do something that just unleashes my soul. Right. So that I can be out there playing and having fun too. A lot of adults get stuck in this slavery game. It's a charged word, but it's like, well, my kids need me. So I'm going to pour everything into them and my work needs me. I'm going to pour everything into that. And before you know it, it's like you're depleted, you're tired, you're out of energy and there's nothing left. Right. 
all your hustle, what was it for? You ain't looking, you ain't loving your life. So you're not doing something right. <laughs> yeah, there's a balance. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with it too, but it sounds like you're doing very well with it. Well, I mean, I've had my struggles. I just learning from them. And, and I think if there's one master skill that has been good for me personally is, um, I don't trust myself to know what I need for tomorrow. Mm. And, and, and this is a healthy relationship. I would rather find a mentor, someone that has 10x, 100x the results that I hope to achieve and say, feed me, teach me. What do you know? What do you see? What is your perspective? Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for, uh, like, I already know what my perspective is. What a boring robotic life. To just honor your own rules over and over again, nothing changes. It's so static. Mm. Um drives me crazy. So for me, I'm always looking for an outsider's perspective, a book, an event, a mentor, a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually, I think what's helped me so much over the years is I've just, I'm just committed to believing that others that are experts have really valid information that needs to be pursued. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're always seeking more knowledge. Yeah. Why did you decide to privately educate your kids for sending them to public school? Of my four children, my eldest daughter at the time had a lot of anxiety and seventh grade was rough. Mm -hmm. I have a, um, my second child who's autistic and he was not fitting into the charter school system that we had put him in. Mm. And then I was sitting down with a teacher. Um, this is going to sound awful, by the way. But I was sitting down with this. Yeah, this is going to sound very good. <laughs> Our culture is so messed up. Everyone hates me. But I was sitting down with this teacher that was like 150 pounds overweight mm -hmm. and trying to do a, a parent-teacher conference on one of my children. Mm. And I just sat there and I thought, Chris Crone, you lazy ass. Mm. You put your child to be influenced by this human being with all of their problems. I could see all of her emotional weight, not physical weight. I could see all the damage. Mm. I could see that she didn't like so much of her life and what she did. I'm like, that's what's influencing my child mm. for six hours a day. I said, Chris, you're an awful parent. Why would you do that to your child? Because it's easy, because it's convenient, because it's status quo. When have you ever done that? I talked to my wife about it and, and we just said, you know, we've talked that we wanted to give our children a private customized education. We should better start now. Mm. And it was so cool. Like if you, if you own a company and you hire employees, um, I love the game of posting a salary and bonus structure and then go finding the best human being that I can. Um, and, and I would rather pay top of market and get the best human right. because a players will do three to five times more than a good average person. Agreed. And I love paying for just brilliant souls. So my wife and I built like the craziest job description for a teacher. I said, they have to be fit. They have to be diversified. They have to be eclectic. They mm -hmm. have to be fun. They have to balance warrior energy with healer energy. They have to balance the Oracle with the entertainer. Whoa. They have to be all these things that we want. And we started interviewing people like crazy and we were paying way higher than, you know, teachers get paid. Cause I think it's stupid that teachers get paid what they get paid. If they're really going to educate your children, your future, the generation, and we found this, our first teacher we ever found, he was in a rock and roll band, mm -hmm. a religious professor, PhD, world traveled, ultra healthy, warrior energy, empathetic, healer energy, very compassionate, very intelligent and cerebral, and at the same time, super balanced. Um, what do they call it? He was like divergent. He was everything. <laughs> and my children, we only got him one year before um, he got the craziest opportunity for a, a, for a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, but he, it was it was all tears because we had the best year together. Wow. We went to his rock concert. We got to <laughs> we got to f fly around the world and do things and create the coolest education. And but it's led to great things. We've hired some really wonderful teachers since that are still with us. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm messing up with my, I'm, I'm sure I'm messing up my children according to the world standard because I don't believe they need to know trig and chemistry and a lot of things that public school teaches. I don't believe in babysitting. Mm. I want my children to love learning. I mm. want them to love life. So the commitment is only teach. First of all, lean into their strengths. Only enough of their weaknesses that their brain can become balanced and wired for something a little bit more well-rounded. We don't believe in grades. We don't believe in homework. Wow. We believe in, in school as life that you love. And so anytime we can avoid a textbook to go touch, feel, taste, witness, experience, we will. Wow. Um, that sounds like a great school to me. <laughs> I Listen, time will tell whether I really messed it up bad or not. I don't know. Yeah. But we're doing, I mean, we're doing the best we know how. I think it's a great thing what you're doing. I, I just look at what I learned in school and what I experienced, and you probably experienced the same thing, and it, it really wasn't much. My, my 11-year-old's out there, and I said, son, what did you learn on the last podcast? Mm-hmm. And he's 11. He's like into Rubik's cubes, yeah, and 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 beekeeping, and he's 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 he, he, ukulele, and he's a really cool kid. And Daniel, he said, "Dad, I don't know." He said something about that if you own a lot of real estate, you know that that's good and it'll solve problems. And I said that was enough of a lesson for today, <laughs> right? Because I'm performing Inception, I'm giving him thoughts and ideas. He's hanging out with Dad, and I'm with all my children. I'm really trying to expose them entrepreneurship. Ninety four percent of all Gen Z want to be entrepreneurs. They mm. don't believe in the good grades college model. Mm. They, they know that we are in a world of access and not a world of learning anymore. Right. And we have to reinvent and do ourselves differently. Yeah. And they get it. And um, millennials were the transition generation. But, but man, Gen Z, they are going to rock everyone's world. Yeah. I love it so much. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Such great advice, man. Any closing thoughts on where people can find you? Yeah. So um, I've got all my social media out there. My name's a little hard to, to find because it's Chris Crone spelled KK. But um. I, I, I put on a, what I'd like to consider very life-changing events. Most people consider them the top five events in their life. Mm. And so I have a free ticket for anyone listening here or a free book or a free consultation to learn more about who we are and what we do. We'd love to give people million-dollar you know, perspectives from a multimillionaire on what, what, what we would do if I were you. So all of those are free giveaways on freewealthgift.com forward slash Sean. And so um, I prepared all that just uh, in love of, hey, if you want to come and have an experience, if you want to get a book, if you want to get some knowledge, um, you know, have at it. Incredible, man. Thank you so much. That was a great episode, guys. Digital Social Hour. See you next week.